This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Now, good morning, everyone, once again. Welcome to our reading and praying psalms together. I'm really thankful for everyone to persevere each morning, especially some of us who are logging in, whether it's from school or from homes or just somewhere else in Singapore. Now, I'll go each morning, as I will repeat myself, is really to read a psalm together, to understand what it says, and to pray and sing the psalm as a community. Now, I wonder if you have ever tried reading the Bible while standing on the train to work. The train now is uh, getting more crowded. It was empty for a period of time. But I remember doing um, that, trying to read the Bible while heading into Raffles Place many years back. Back then, the train was so crowded that I could barely open a physical Bible. I had no smartphone back then. So I turned to an audio uh, Bible on my MP3 player. One of my favorites had always been the Psalms to be read too. But ironically, I've also found it the hardest to follow. As I hear the Psalm, I wanted to pray along with the Psalms that were being read to me. But I couldn't figure out what I can pray and what I can't. For example, Psalm 69 verse 24, Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. Now, while on the train, I was struggling with my work and at the forefront of my mind were the deadlines and the people that I had to interact with that didn't go too well the day before. But could I apply this psalm to my situation just like that? Am I really so angry with my boss or colleagues or friends to utter that as my prayer? Didn't the New Testament teach me to love them? Well, back then, I had never considered the context of the psalms or made careful observations, like who was singing the psalm? Who was having a conversation with whom? Was the king leading his people in speaking to God, his king and father? Was God speaking to his son, the king? Was God speaking through the teacher to his people? Or perhaps the people speaking to God? or to the nations about God, or to one another. Well, it's not always easy, but thinking about context and making careful observations are important to help us understand its meaning and apply the psalm into our prayer life. Otherwise, we can get really confused. I pray that as we read the psalms each morning, we can pause to consider four things. Is there something we can learn about the context? What are the things we can observe? What do they mean? And how do they apply to us in our prayer and our songs? Well, next Monday, I'll leave us with a link to watch the the structure of how the Psalter is being uh, put together. But for now, let us turn to Psalm 4. I'll be reading Psalm 4 for us. And I would like to invite us to read it from our end, um, where you are at. Psalm 4. For the director of music with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. 
give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin when you are on your beds. Search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now, right at the start, as we look at Psalm 4, we are told that the choir master is King David. He has written this song to be sung. A tune has been given in stringed instruments. The tune begins in anguish, but eventually ends with security. Have a look at it. Verse 1, the king cries out to God, Answer me when I call to you. Give me relief from my distress. But verse 8, it ends, In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now let us make some observation on how the psalm flows and the characters within the psalm. We look at verses 1 to 2, we hear the lament of the king. There are three parties here. The king, his God, verse 1, and you people, verse 2. Now David begins by looking to God and then cry out to him. It's not a demanding prayer, but as we have seen the last few days, they had a relationship. It was a relational prayer. The king sees God as his righteous God who can defend and vindicate him from his distress. In fact, if you look at the start of Psalm 3 yesterday, that the king sees actually there is a greater king that is accountable to, that is God. Let's look at Psalm 4. What kind of distress was David experiencing? Well, if you go on to verse 2, and here the king speaking to a group of people. This is what he says. That this group of people have shamed him of his glory. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? And because David is God's anointed king, David's glory is linked to God's glory. And the people have shamed both. Look at verse 2b. How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Now, David, he was in distress because the people have slandered him, the anointed king, and so have God as well. As we look on to verse 3 to 5, we hear the warning of the king because after his prayer and lament, the king now turns and speaks warning to the people who have failed to honor him and God. Now, verse 3 is likened to mean this, Be warned, people, God has chosen me as his servant, and he hears me when I call to him. And because of his role, David now gives the warning of verses 4 to 5 to, his, to the people. He warns them to tremble. And in their anger, 
Do not sin by grumbling against God or dishonoring his anointed king. Instead, the people must search their hearts and hold their grumble. And when they lie in bed at night, this is a night psalm, be silent and do not be quick to plot evil. Now, there are two ways to live, to continue to dishonor the king or search their hearts and recognize that the right thing to do is to trust the Lord. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but I find it easy to think of myself as the person who is more right than the others if I have a relational strain. Now, I can be quick to justify myself. Perhaps some of us may be quick to find it or find it easy to blame God when bad things happened in our lives. Why hasn't God washed over us? Well, if we are not careful, we will quickly turn to grumbling and dishonoring God and His King in our hearts. And this grumbling will eventually flow out in our words and actions and poison our hearts. The King says, It is good to remain silent when we lie in our beds, to search our hearts and tremble before God rather than to sin in our thoughts. No, friends, it is easy to be Christian when life is good, but it takes faith when life hits the many roadblocks that we will continue to trust and honor God's King. As we look on to verses 6 to 7, we hear the King's cry of faith and later his act of faith in verse 8. Here, while many doubt God's goodness, the king prays that very famous words of Aaron, the priest, right back in number 6, where Aaron has taught this word. He says, Let the light of your face shine on us, calling on God to bless his people and fill his heart with joy. His cry of faith so leads David to his act of faith in verse Eight. Now the king is willing to lie down and sleep with peace in his heart even when all these things are surrounding him because he trusts in God alone who will make him dwell in safety. Now dear friends, this first, the first choir that sings some folk with their king, they trust their king who was David. So when God blesses their king, they too will be blessed. The warning of verses 4 to 5 needs to be heard as well. Those who bear bitterness against God's king, these people, they will not sing this psalm. So how will we, in our time here, sing this psalm today? I think we need to first recognize that when David prays this psalm as the covenantal king of God's kingdom, he is really foreshadowing the greatest son in 2 Samuel 7, who is King Jesus. Now imagine Jesus 2,000 years ago, perhaps in a synagogue or somewhere, praying some for amongst the people of Israel, the crowd, the religious leaders, the disciples. We could imagine Jesus looking at the people and say, verse 2, How long will you people turn my glory into shame? And verse 3, the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Isn't that what Jesus said at the grave of Lazarus? 
that he says that God hears him, but he says that not for himself, but for the rest to recognize that he is from God. So we are to take heed when our king says, verse 4 to 5, tremble, but do not sin. No, friends, if for some circumstances we struggle to give Jesus his glory, we need to meditate on verses 4 to 5 at night. Please, our human nature of grumbling against God take the center seat of our hearts. It is wise at night that we don't end up just uh, playing computer games or just looking at Netflix. It is wise for us to search our hearts before we sleep and not sin in anger that we turn Jesus' glory into shame. Instead, let us pray upwards with trust in God. Because if we are with our King, then the prayer of the king in verses 6 to 8 becomes ours. That the light of God's face will shine on us, on all who are on the king's side. One day in his new eternal kingdom, we shall be filled with grains and new wine. If we trust in God and in our king, even as we sing some four during times of sorrow, we can sing verse 8. And pray verse 8 to God. Look at verse 8. In peace we will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make us dwell in safety with our King. Now, dear friends, if you feel weary with the dishonoring of Jesus in our world, and you long for Jesus to return in glory, can I say that you are in good company? Join Christians around the world who trust in Jesus and grieve at the shame thrown at Jesus around the world now. Keep trusting in our Lord and wait patiently. And before you and I sleep tonight, before we close our eyes, perhaps we could remember verses 6 to 8 in our prayer. But if, you, if there are any friends here or listening later who are struggling with anger and bitterness towards God, can I plead with you to consider the words of verses 5, 4, and 5 carefully, that we will be careful to turn back to God and ask Him to help us to trust Him so that we can join the King's choir and sing Psalms 4 together. So with that, let us close by praying in view of Psalm 4. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord Jesus was distressed in his days, walking our world, that there are people who should have honored him, they have shamed him. But Father, we pray as we read Psalm 4 that we are reminded that our King trusts in you, and God, you shall hear his prayer. And so, Father, even as we read Psalm 4 today, as we um, ponder it, upon our hearts. We pray that God, if we are struggling to honor Christ, that we will meditate on verses 4 and 5. And that if we are longing that Jesus be honored and we grieve when he isn't, that God, we will remember the ending of the psalm. That you, O oh God, will honor your King. And that God, along with our King, together with him, that God, you will bless us and your face will shine on us. And eventually, we will enjoy the blessing and the glory that our King deserves. We pray all this 
as we go forth to work and to do various things for today, that you keep us reminding us and encouraging us to look to our King and to honour him. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. As we mark the end of this morning, once again, let me leave you with a beautiful song of Psalm 4, and we'll see everyone tomorrow.
Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.